Hello, and welcome to Objective Health. I am your host, Doug, and with me in the virtual studio is Erica. And in the background, on the ones and twos, keeping it real, is Damien. Hello. So today, we are bringing you another one of our In the News shows, where we just kind of go through <clears throat> the recent headlines and take a look at uh, what's going on. So we'll be visiting a couple of topics that we've covered rather extensively, but it's good to do an update on what's going on every once in a while. Uh, masks, in fact, I'll say masks still don't work, in case you were curious. That's the update there. And eating meat is still good for you. So <laughs> I guess the, um, the big news on the mask front was that the Danish mask study finally came out. Um, was finally published. Uh, people have been talking about this on various social media platforms for a while, although the actual study hadn't been published yet. And now it has finally come out. Um, and it was up on SOT.net called Danish Mask Study Finally Published No Statistically Significant Difference Between Wearing or Not Wearing Mask. And that essentially is it. That's what they found. You know, they took... Um, uh, they basically took a whole bunch of participants, I think it was close to 5,000 people, um, and they broke them into three groups. Uh, some of them, they gave them 50 masks and said and advised them to kind of change their mask every eight hours. Um, and had another group that um, they gave them no advice. Yeah, sorry, the, the first group, they gave them advice on how to, how to wear the mask properly, change it every eight hours and everything like that. Another group, they didn't give them any advice. They just gave them masks. Uh, and then there was another group. Maybe it was only two groups. Um, yeah, sorry, it was two groups. So both of them were wearing masks, but one they didn't give any advice to, and the other one they actually showed them how to do it and everything like that. And then they followed them to see uh, how many of them ended up getting uh, SARS-CoV-2. And it was basically an identical proportion of people. Um, it was 42 in every 2,393 people uh, in the mask group and 53 out of 2,470 in the no mask uh, group ended up with um, COVID. So more, than, more or less identical. It was like 0.3% uh, difference or something like that. So essentially, that kind of points to this idea that masks aren't really as effective as they would like you to believe that they are. Now, there's lots of you know criticisms of the study. Um, some people say it was underpowered. Um, you know, was the adherence poor? But the author of this article actually makes a very good point about the adherence being poor, and he kind of like it. It mimics what people are doing in society. So if adherence is poor to the study, it means that probably mask wearing in the general populace is poor adherence as well. You know, you see the people with it below their nose or like as a chin strap. Um, that's probably, if people were doing that in the study, that's because that's what people do in day-to-day -day life too. Um, so anyway, this was kind of uh, big news because it is yet another piece of evidence that masks are a bunch of BS. Right, and it begs the yeah, it begs the question: Why the continual push for it? Why knowing all this? I mean, we covered it, like Doug said before in a previous show. Like, the WHO came out months back and said it doesn't really work. The CDC did the same thing, and now we're at the state. Well, just wear it anyway. Yeah, exactly, 
Exactly. In fact, I think the New York Times, uh, when they were reporting on this study, said, study finds that masks aren't very effective, but wear them anyway. Like right in their headline, they said that. You know, it's just, it, it's ridiculous. And, you know, you've got all this, it's, it's like being gaslit because, you know, you've got all this evidence piling up that masks are not effective and that they're harmful. And yet you've got on the front lines, these Nazi mask enforcers who are, you know, basically abusing people for not wearing their masks. I mean, in France recently, there was a, an incident where they basically just used the fact that the guy wasn't wearing a mask as an excuse to beat him up, um, basically followed him. He was going into his uh, music studio and they piled in after him and were beating the shit out of him. And they said, oh, it's because he wasn't wearing a mask when they got caught for it. So, yeah, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable, like, the, the situation that's going on here. And incidentally, there is an article as well. It was on um, technocracy.news. Um, it was called Masks Are Neither Effective Nor Safe, A Summary of the Science. And I don't want to necessarily go through this one extensively um, because uh, it's a lot. It's basically a, a summary of all the different uh, mask studies that are out there. Um, and it's just a really good one for like sharing and giving to people, giving to your friends and family, anybody who you know, maybe is a bit on the fence about things and is kind of like, well, you know, I don't know if these things work or something. Like, show them this, this, uh, this article because it's really good at summarizing all the different points about masks. I mean, it's talking about um, whether they're effective at preventing transmission of respiratory pathogens. Well, they're not. Spoiler alert. Um, it talks about the airflow around the mask, the penetration through the masks, N95 versus surgical masks versus cloth masks. Um, and whether, and it also goes into the safety, whether wearing a mask is safe, um, which again, spoiler alert, it's not. Um, you know, it's not like if you wear a mask, you're going to drop dead necessarily, but there are safety concerns with these, uh, with this mask wearing, especially when people are wearing them long term. You know, somebody who's in a job for eight hours a day, or where I am right now, where there's actually a rule that you have to even wear them on the street when you're outside, um, it's there are definitely concerns with that. And we're going to get into some of those, actually. And um, as Damien's scrolling through on the screen here, you can see that they have taken the video down that was originally in that Technocracy News article. I just mm -hmm. saw the little unhappy face. But if you go to SOT.net, you can watch a video that's um, super informative because it talks about the history of mask wearing, particularly in medical settings and um, kind of how it was debunked over the years is exactly what Doug said, you know, like that now it's just kind of a theater that doctors continue to perform, even though it's been shown that it doesn't really prevent the spread of disease the way that people might think it does. And for me in the video, what really stuck out was the psychological effects of wearing a mask and seeing when people, human nature, like, um, you know, evolutionary biology, when you, when a human is approached with somebody with a covering over their face, mm -hmm. how all those 
innate human responses to read is this person good person bad person should i be afraid should i not be afraid so it really hijacks the brain in a way that's really negative mm-hmm. and um you know we've anybody that's had to wear it knows that feeling you know what i mean for one you can't breathe properly so you're you're already uh, you know lacking oxygen to the brain your parasympathetic nervous system is being taxed for sure because you're in a excessive fight or flight mode because mm-hmm. you don't know you can't read your environment anymore and you can't read people and to me this is the insidiousness of it that it's really not about a health requirement at all but it's something much more dark and sinister and i i don't mean to be a fear monger on that, but there's there's some psychological aspects to it. So this little video on the SOT page will really um, clearly delineate that. And, and I, I find that really helpful because we're all struggling to navigate in this new paradigm that we live in. And knowing that these things are happening while you're wearing the mask is part of what helps you navigate that, you know, knowing that, okay, I can't really read this other person and everyone is walking around and you cannot sense the people around you in a very real way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. Well, I mean, and speaking of the fact that masks are actually harmful, there was an article up on health impact news uh, from November 20th. And it was about, well, the headline is four-year-old almost dies due to lung infection caused by prolonged mask wearing. Dr. Rants, how many children must die? And it's basically just that. It's the story of this um, four-year-old kid who ended up with a bacterial infection from prolonged mask wearing, from wearing the mask, you know, who knows how long the kid was actually wearing the mask for. But it's just so... Aggra- like so, yeah, it's so aggravating. Like first of all, they've said from the beginning they have said that children don't need to wear masks, you know. But parents who are trying, you know, well, I don't trust that. I'm going to put my kid in a mask because he might catch the COVID, and think that they're doing the right thing. I mean, it just speaks to the the hystericization that's going on right now. Like people are hysterical, um, forcing your kid to wear a mask all the time. I mean, yeah, the, the the bacterial infection is an extreme example, but even just like cutting your kid's airflow minorly throughout the day um, is going to have a negative effect, you know, at, at some level, uh, whether it be like, you know, brain damage. Brain damage. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Brain damage or, or any a number of other things. Like the, the point being is that the mask thing is is ridiculous. And the fact is that it doesn't work. It certainly shouldn't be put on kids, but it shouldn't be put on anybody. Yeah. You know, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny actually came out and said it's a form of child abuse. Yeah. To do that. And, you know, um, I it's concerning because, again, with enforcement and whatnot, like what is Child Protective Services going to get involved? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this is... And especially since, you know, the information has been out since April that um, children don't really spread COVID. Yeah. So the fact that they're masking up, but this is, again, I think more of that 
predictive programming, like let's just get them to support it young because this may not change in the future. And I just feel so terrible when I see children wearing a mask. It really, I, I mean, I yeah, obviously me would never say anything, but it is so, I feel like, oh my gosh, that's just wrong on so many levels, on so many levels, it's wrong. Definitely. Yeah. Like what you, what you're referring to there, Erica, was that um, article on the Daily Mail from back in April that was called experts cannot find a single child under 10 who has passed on coronavirus to an adult despite huge trawl of data raising hopes they pose no risk you know it was back and that's in April. the daily mail that's the daily mail though so that's a pretty mainstream yeah they they they've actually been pretty good with some of their stuff you know like it, they kind of seem to waver back and forth it depends on the writer but they've they've published some stuff that is pretty on point as far as COVID and um, masks and, and all this sort of stuff. Uh, there's a couple of good mainstream sources out there that seem to be kind of a little bit more on point, a, really, a little bit more willing to actually publish some some stuff against the, the, the mainstream um, line. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. So, I mean, it was back in April. So I don't know if they've now been able to find a single case of uh, children uh, passing it on to adults, but they've been saying from the beginning that it doesn't look like kids even get it. Of course, there's going to be the odd uh, exception to that, but um, for the most part, um, it you know it basically just seems like it, it, it's it's a stupid idea to put kids in masks because even if the masks worked, which they don't, and even if they weren't dangerous, which they are, they're still not going to do anything. There's no point in doing that to your kid, even for the psychological reasons that we were talking about before. Frightening. Yeah. Well, changing gears, another news item. RT recently published something, and they've actually been publishing um, articles by Dr. Malcolm Kendrick who's a GP with the National Service, uh, National Health Service in England. Um, and I've been reading his blog for years, actually, on and off. You know, I'm not necessarily diligently reading it, but uh, I was following him back when he was um, talking a lot about uh, cholesterol, statins, that sort of thing. And he was always, always had a very refreshing, on-point perspective. Um, but he's been writing for RT lately. Um, and his latest is a low-fat, high-carb diet has been the largest public health experiment in history. As the world gets even fatter, we must rethink. And I mean, regular watchers of our show or listeners back when we were only doing it audio have heard us go on about this multiple times. But it just is good to see that it is starting to more and more get into the public, um, public perception about uh, this idea that there was no obesity epidemic until the dietary guidelines came along. That's essentially it. You know, once, you know, when, back when people were eating whatever they wanted to eat, whatever they felt they should eat, everything was fine. There was no obesity epidemic. There was no problem. In come the dietary guidelines that tell everybody to eat high carb, low fat. And suddenly, well, it wasn't so sudden. It took, it took uh, a couple of decades to happen. But we find ourselves now at this obesity epidemic. Um, and it's kind of like 
maybe we were all better off before the government decided they needed to tell us what to eat. Radical idea. Um, but anyway, uh, Kendrick goes into some uh, good details on this. Like I say, people who are, you know, the people who are, who are familiar with this kind of thing might not get anything new out of the article, but it is good to see that it is um, getting out there, getting around. Mainstream sources are picking it up and, uh, you know, people really need to make this connection between the way that they tell you is healthy to eat versus what is actually healthy to eat. And it's amazing to me that information like this isn't, you know, picked up and spread far and wide, considering that people who are dying from COVID-19 have comorbidities and one of them being obesity, if mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, you're right. And so here is a great opportunity to actually give people tangible information that would help them change their lifestyle to prevent illness. And this, this has been said to me numerous times, like, why isn't anyone going on TV talking about get vitamin C and sunshine and eat a healthy diet and exercise to prevent illness? You know, it's all these, the vaccine, the vaccine or the mask or the mask. So this yep. is, you know, this should be far and wide for people. And it's, it's not, it's just kind of relegated to RT, which yeah, as yeah. we know, it's not. <laughs> not super mainstream. No. But, uh, I mean, it's interesting, like we were talking about on our last show about the biosecurity state, when we were talking about how the different branches of this multi-tentacled monster is bringing forth this kind of, uh, New world order, new world order, reset, whatever you want to call it, and the food aspect is kind of one of them, right? And they started this back in the '70s with their dietary guidelines, and things have been pushed more and more all the time towards this weird level of like anti-meat, pro-GMO kind of strange Franken-food, Franken-food, <laughs> you know, lab-grown fake stuff. Um, and they're trying to pass that off as healthy and ideal. Um, but it's interesting because New Scientist had an article recently. Headline was, meat-free diets linked with greater risk of breaking bones. Well, how about that? <laughs> so vegetarians and vegans are more likely to break bones than meat eaters. Well, that doesn't seem to make any sense if vegetarianism and veganism is more healthy for you and meat is really bad for you. Yeah... It was basically a study. They followed people, 65,000 people in the UK. They followed them from 1993 uh, until 2010, uh, I think. It might still be ongoing, actually, but they, they did like collate their data in 2010. And they found that vegans had broken a hip over at over twice the rate of meat eaters, while vegetarians and fish eaters had a smaller increased risk, about 25%. Uh, Vegans, but not vegetarians and pescatarians, also had higher risk of breaking other bones. Uh, they go on in the article to say that vegans and vegetarians tend to have less calcium in their diets, which, okay, maybe, but I tend to not put so much on the calcium and much more on the protein, which they also say in the article. But um, yeah, I mean, calcium is important for bones, of course, but you need multiple minerals. And I think that the, the protein, particularly the animal proteins, are more about uh, keeping your bones structurally sound 
you know, like they're not just these, you know, if you think about calcium, like chalk, chalk is pure calcium. Look at how brittle chalk is. You can break it easily with your fingers. It's like you don't want bones that are pure calcium. They need that protein matrix to be kind of flexible and, um, yeah, it, it's, you know, bones are not just all about uh, calcium. But, um, yeah, I mean, animal proteins are obviously the best place, re best protein source that you can get. So trying to get the same kind of protein requirements from just vegetables, it doesn't work. And this is a sign of that, you know, having weak bones is a sign that you are not getting the proper sources of protein. They're yeah. just not dropping that, that, you know, after doing the Eat Lancet show years ago, mm. you know, that just, we thought maybe, oh, okay, well, they've been shown to be pretty much full of crap, Yeah, you know? and <laughs> But it's still the mainstream perspective. It still is. Yeah. People still think, like everybody out there, you know, if, if somebody decides that they're going to like, oh, I'm going to start cleaning up my diet and get a little bit healthier, I'm going to eat less meat. It's like, oh... Okay. Yeah. That's not going to work. The plant-based. Plant, <laughs> plant yeah. Conspiracy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I feel bad because, you know, there are people out there who do really want to kind of get their diets on track and they want to kind of be healthier, but they're just so misinformed because every mainstream source they, they see is telling them, oh, you need to cut down on your meat. Got it. You know, it's not just, uh, it's not just your health. It's the environment. Got to save the environment. Eat more plants eat these lab-grown, ultra-processed Franken-foods to save the planet and to save your health. It's just, it's ridiculous. On the face of it, it's ridiculous. And that's where exactly where it's going, you know? I mean, it is so, we live in bizarro world. It's it's where it's going. I, we did a show years ago about shmeat. That was, that's mm -hmm. kind of our loving term that we call meat, <laughs> um, fake meat. And when we did the show, we talked about the yuck factor, like how people were interviewed, however they do those tests on people. And most people were pretty creeped out and grossed out by the thought of eating something grown in a test tube. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember the article saying like, well, if we can get beyond the yuck factor. And unfortunately, with the advent of Impossible Burger and uh, what's the other one? Um, Beyond Burger. Beyond Burger. Um, it looks like they've pretty much dealt with the yuck factor with people. Like if you're so entrenched in your belief system that you feel you're saving the planet and you're saving animals by eating shmeat, then <laughs> you're sold. And, and now we're seeing it. It's coming, it's coming fast and furious because also with the breakdown in the supply chain due to the COVID you know, all of a sudden accessibility to things that, especially in America, we're used to year round, you know, uh, starting to shut down a little bit or not as available. But I will say I've heard several people report that when their food shelves were pretty much cleaned out, things like bacon and sausage, that Beyond Burger, Impossible Burger, their their products were still on the yeah. shelf readily available. So people aren't um, completely sold yet. I will say for those who have not watched the movie Soylent Green, which mm. was made in the 70s, yeah. 
it's a good time to review something like that. Yes, it is a Hollywood movie, but it is very telling. Yeah. Very telling. Well, interestingly, there was a, an article back in March in the National Post uh, Canadian paper. Uh, and the headline was Demand for Meat Rising Despite Deluge of Plant-Based Alternative Report Finds. And the headline kind of says it all there. <laughs> The demand for meat is not disappearing, despite all these plant-based alternatives showing up, despite all the propaganda telling you you should be eating less meat and eating these frankenfoods instead. It seems like people are not buying it, uh, at least to an extent. It seems like the majority of the population, anyway, is not really interested in this kind of stuff. You know, beyond the the, the initial curiosity. I know when KFC came out with their frankenfood chicken nugget things there were lineups around the block right everybody wanted to try it but how were the sales after that i know tim hortons in canada they stopped their i think they were serving a beyond burger or an impossible burger or something like that they stopped because demand was so low nobody was interested it's kind of like everybody gives it a try and they're kind of like well yeah that's all right and then they go back to their meat because they're even if they don't know on a conscious level that this isn't good for them on a subconscious level, their body is kind of like when it's craving meat, no substitute is going to do. It's not going to work. You are getting things from meat that you do not get from vegetables. It's as simple as that. Stuff that your body actually needs. So if you are craving meat, it's because it's not because of the taste, right? People all say, oh, you get over that. You'll, you won't miss the taste. It has nothing to do with the taste. It has to do with the nutrition, what your body is actually getting from this food. Exactly. And I feel like being involved with the GMO research for so long that, you know, we kind of almost hit that apex where people were like, okay, we're over it. It's done. You know, let's eliminate this terrible agriculture. And then they just repurposed it and rebranded it and resold it and used the vegan platform to do it. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, I've spoken with vegans about it and they're like, well, it's better than having a hamburger. And I, I just, I can't, I cannot wrap my mind around how all of a sudden you think that genetically tinkering with food to create a fake substance that tastes like a hamburger, even though you're a vegan is, is of sane mind, really. That's totally true. I never, I didn't really think about that until you mentioned it, but they have totally, taken over that whole vegan segment you know Mm -hmm. the vegans used to be the health nuts right where they would not stand for genetically modified crap they didn't want the processed garbage they were like no you have to go back to the natural food and they you know had a kind of a twisted perspective on what that natural thing was but it's true they the the vegans now are totally into this kind of weird high-tech future of lab-grown meats and lab-grown foods and highly processed stuff it's so weird i think of that that writer for uh the guardian mombio george mombio and uh he's totally like has this weird sci-fi perspective on the future where farms don't exist anymore and everything is grown in vats and it's just this like weird 1950s space food kind of idea of what everybody's going to be eating 
it's so bizarre. It's a really twisted perspective. And I, I, yeah, it, it's so strange that, uh, that, that somehow they managed to divert the vegans away from this idea of natural to something weird and high tech. Yeah. It's like a brave new world. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just to round things out here, McDonald's, the one holdout that was not having any kind of bullshit plant-based <laughs> burger thing has now announced that they are debuting, and get this, this name, the McPlant. Isn't it catchy? <laughs> the McPlant is going to be McDonald's new uh Veggie burger, essentially, uh, fake meat burger. Or vegans and omnivores alike. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody can eat one of these McPlants. A delicious McPlant. Do you eat plants? No, I don't eat plants. I eat McPlants. Yeah. Anyway, it's, you know, not that you can really fault McDonald's for serving fake food. I mean, let's be honest here. It's just another fake bullshit thing they're adding to their menu but uh yeah i mean i think they're probably the one of the last fast food joints that's that's actually um going to be introducing one of these things so that'll uh become what does it say McPlant extend across a line of plant like products including chicken substitute breakfast sandwiches and burgers Mm can't wait to see the scary part is when it's going to be at the point where they just don't even tell you anymore back to my reference yeah. of soylent green yeah <laughs> we're just not going to tell you anymore what's in it <laughs> and now that you don't care about gmos anymore it doesn't even really matter we're exactly. just gonna continue to tinker and and um you will all willingly go along with it yeah. if you're hungry enough right yeah there was a uh an ice age farmer report recently called green new meal. Mm. Um, and he talked about the McPlant and that, and it was kind of funny cause he started off with a video that was done by the onion. Remember when the onion used to do like news, news things like satire news things. And it was from 2012. So like eight years ago. And it was, all, it was about Taco Bell, how they have moved away from anything natural that their entire product line is now unnatural. And there's no actual, food substance left in it and they're promoting it as a good thing because it's green and it's good for the environment and all this kind of stuff and it was quite funny but it's so prescient it's not far off from what we're seeing now it's almost like there would be a fast food chain out there that would brag about the fact that there is nothing grown naturally on their product line everything comes from a uh, a lab so, you know, oh, our carbon emissions are so low, it's so good for the environment, and there's no uh, animal products in here or anything like that. Like, I can, I, can, I can actually see it. Like, at the time, it was ridiculous. Now, it's kind of like, well, give it a couple of years. Well, the great part in there, and people should go and watch it because you're what at first they don't tell you that it's a joke. So you're right. like, this was really on TV? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and they were saying how, well, we've recycled all the packaging. Yeah, so everything right. that we made it with is now recycled in this new t- taco or whatever. And you're like, is this for real? Like I caught myself, like, it's believable. I yeah. know that they could do it. 
but these guys are actually coming out and this is their sales pitch. And then you obviously realize, spoiler alert, yeah. right? Yeah, I guess I spoiled the whole thing. Anyway. But you know what? That's that's where we're coming to with this whole climate, you know, once the, the COVID thing kind of, you know, fades into whatever, whatever it fades into, it will next be your diet, you know, eat the fake meat, mm-hmm. you know, the cricket, um, what yeah. is it? Cricket, uh, cricket flower. Cricket flower. Yeah, you want to share that one as a kind of the the pet food one? You mean? Yeah. Nest, <laughs> Nestle, Nestle has come out with a Purina line, um, and I think it's called Beyond Nature, which is a really creepy <laughs> name for it. Beyond Nature Purina pet foods, which I think is both cat and dog food. That is, uh, it has bugs in it. It's the main source of protein in it is bugs. Or I don't know if it's the main source, but one of the sources of protein in it is bugs. So again, this is basically just, uh, it's kind of normalizing the idea of eating bugs, right? Which Mm -hmm. is another thing that these guys have been kind of pushing on people for a while. They're kind of shifting the Overton window to make bug eating more and more acceptable. Um, The idea being that, you know, oh, we can breed tons of bugs and it has zero impact on the environment and it's just as good as meat as far as uh, the protein source is concerned and but again it comes down to that ick factor right nobody wants to eat bugs like i, I will state outright that i don't eat bugs <laughs> i don't me. intentionally eat bugs well right right <laughs> I, but i mean i'm not going there i'm just not i will have a steak yeah. thank you very much i'm not going to eat you know i'm not going to drink cro- cockroach milk i'm not going to eat cricket flour I'm not doing it. I'm that you know, yeah. everybody has to draw their line somewhere. I'm not doing that. Especially since But they're... as you said, Doug, it's just a way to very um subtly introduce it. And you know, we were talking before the show just about animals in general, and we saw this with uh, putting a tracking chip in your dog in case they get lost. Now it's totally acceptable. Anytime mm. you adopt an animal particularly dogs, they already have the chip embedded in them. So people are fine with that. No questions about chipping your animal. It's great. Your dog runs away. They can find it. We're going to see that same thing. They'll slowly start introducing these things in animals. And then before you know it, it will be available. Yeah, because some people chip their their kids now. You know, that's becoming more more acceptable. So, yeah, it's the same thing with the, with the bugs. Oh, feed it to your pets. It's fine. Then after a while, it's kind of like, well, we're going to have to have you guys start eating some bugs. Anyway. Well, on that happy note. (laughs) (laughs) We're over our time here, so I think that we will call it there for this show. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, Be sure to join us on the next one. We'll be back next week. Um, Thanks to Damien and to Erica. And be sure to like and subscribe if you are so inclined. And we'll see you next time.